Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Kyrie Irving is now, finally, mercifully, and officially a Boston Celtic. And such drastic occurrences calls for drastic measures. Today is Thursday, August 31st, 2017, and this is a very rare bonus edition of Celtics Beat on CLNS Media. Upon request, the lost episode... From last week with Chris Forsberg of ESPN, which was recorded some 82 hours after we believe the trade was all but official. So suffice it to say, with a mere addition by the Celtics of a second round draft pick, very little has changed on these ends in terms of opinion by myself and last week's guest, Mr. Forsberg of ESPN. So, without further ado, it's what should have been episode number 224, now released as episode number 225 of Celtics Beat. Enjoy. I'm still stunned. You're still stunned. I put it at 100% last week, as we all know with Mike Gorman, that this would never happen. But it did. Uh, this is game-changing, to say the least. Historic. Me and you were having a little fun off air here before we get into all this. Just most shocking trades of your lifetime, and, and you can even do like we were going all Boston sports. Yeah, I've been racking my brain. I like I can't think of one that really jumps off the page. I guess you know because as a kid or a young adult, I was fascinated by the Patriots. You think about like Logan Mankins, and I was gonna go with the lawyer Malloy cut because by the time they got to Logan Mankins, they were cutting and trading star players for nothing. That it just we just got uh, used to it. For me, I guess there's things like the Red Sox when they traded Nomar Garcia Pollard. Yes, now we look exactly. back and we go, oh wow, you know, great trade at the time. At the time, that was absolutely flabbergasting. Two utility infielders. You, th- you didn't think you got much for it. the Bruins? I think. <laughs> the Bruins before my time, we already we knew all about them. I think their most infamous trade was trading Phil Esposito for Brad Park, and I think that's probably the most something that is identical to this because those were two you know two rivals at the top of their conference trading two Hall of Fameish type players. So that means even better than that. But this is up there: Kyrie Irving, essentially for Isaiah Thomas, thrown in Jay Crowder, the Nets pick. We'll get into the logistics later. But this is I was flabbergasted. I was stunned, especially last week on this broadcast with Mike Gorman where I told him there's 0% chance of a Kyrie Irving trade happening, and he said I wouldn't go with that whatsoever. I'm still stunned at this very moment. This is absolutely historic, not just in Boston, but 
in all the NBA, I've I, one of the most unique trades ever with rivals at the top of the conference trading two top two players on, the t- on their team, respective teams. And, and that's the thing that just jumps out to me is that how often do you see not? I think ESPN had the note the first time two twenty-five point scores have been swapped, uh, but just the fact that they're rivals that the, the, these are the two teams that just played in, like three months ago in the Eastern Conference Finals, and you know you never see this where where two teams that are competing for the same prize are willing to swap. It, let, let alone reserves, but to, to do it with All-Stars is, is ridiculous. I think I go back to it. The, the trades that resonate or the moves with, within Boston that resonate with you are ones where you remember where you are, right? And so I, I can remember where I was for that Nomar trade. I was up in Hampton Beach sitting in a hotel room with some friends, and we were just completely like staring at the TV like, this does not make any sense. I think I remember like you know Ray Bork going to the Avalanche just because that was jarring. Uh, like you said, the Patriots moves, the, especially in those infancy, they always sort of sort of made you kind of perk up. Uh, obviously, Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce getting traded on that draft night was was surprising. I don't know if uh, maybe not surprising, but just because it, it actually happened, you sat there and said, "Wow, I can't believe this is actually." Well, the going original down. KG trade, we they made a commercial out of people remembering where they were when the Garnett deal happened. And that was, you know, what's crazy about that day is I remember I, I was at the Globe then, and we had this big tug of war about. You know, should we play up on the on the homepage? Uh, Garnett getting traded to Boston or Eric Gagne getting traded to the Red Sox? Right, and that was that the just, same that day, was just a July, reminder. July 31st. <laughs> Baseball trade like, deadline. It's crazy to me now to look back and think that we thought Eric Gagne was on par with the Kevin Garnett. Setting move, up Jonathan just... Papelbon. Going to make the bullpen unstoppable, which they ended up winning the World Series that year. Anyways, back to exactly. basketball. Back to basketball. Now, but hold on. Yeah, back, back to the real the stuff. The only thing that I can remember, too, and I and this triggered because I needed to get this in before I forgot. The Pistons traded Adrian Dantley midseason uh, for Mark Aguirre. Now, those teams were not rivals. They were actually at the top of their conference in each of the, the, the Mavs were coming off a Western Conference Finals appearance in 88. The Pistons were in the NBA Finals in 88. They actually ended up winning the championship. But that's really the only move where you see teams, you know, two very good teams doing something like this. In that case, those teams were not rivals. Many times in NBA history, we see, yes, the Garnett trade, a rebuilding team, Minnesota trading a star player for, well, the Celtics were a rebuilding team at the time. But all this stuff like the Lakers getting Kareem, the Lakers getting Pau Gasol, the Lakers getting everybody, uh, the Lakers <laughs> getting Will Chamberlain, the Suns getting Charles Barkley. These are rebuilding teams or teams starting a rebuild, trading a star players to contenders. This uh, We can't really emphasize enough the uniqueness of this trade. Now, with all of that said, let's get to the basketball. Let's get to quote-unquote basketball reasons. Talk me out of this trade. I guess I consider myself in the minority. I love it. I assume you love it. But for argument's sake, actually talk me out of reasons why I should not like this move for the Celtics. Sure. Well, first, it, it starts with you know a little bit of emotional. I think people here really got attached to Isaiah Thomas. And I know we're supposed to ignore that when we make these trades. And you know that's why if you're a Celtics fan, you're glad that Danny Age is at the helm. Because I don't know how many general managers could sit there of a 53-win team and be like, you know what, let's let's go out and get a marquee free agent, and that's going to require us to tear up our roster a little bit, and then we'll completely strip the rest of it bare uh, to go get another all-star. Uh, but I do think, you know, if, you, if you're trying to play devil's advocate, the, the reasons you don't like this trade is, one, you know, we know Brad Stevens craves continuity. He talked about it ex- extensively during that kind of first couple years there and wanting to build institutional knowledge and, you know, you, you really look at when this team took off. It was and when Isaiah gone. came over. 
Yeah, exactly. Continuity's gone. gone. I mean, this is a brand new team at the end of August, no less, too, by the way. They've lost the whole, pretty much the whole offseason. And so, no, I do think there's some part of it that Brad's sitting there, like, excited to figure out how to work with all these new toys and, you know, excited to see how they all pair up and to go through that process. Uh, but I also think it's a little bit daunting because, let's face it, the, the complete the complexion of this team has completely changed. It's gone from sort of that scrappy underdog and blue collar, you know, all these second round picks leading you deep into the playoffs. Well, now it's you've got elite talent. It's all top of the lottery guys. And you're going to be expected to win 50 plus games to be one of the top, top teams in the East, to be in the Eastern Conference Finals. And so it's going to be, I think, a little bit more businesslike. I don't know if this, if this team is as endearing as it used to be, but maybe. I mean, you know, maybe they'll, they'll, they'll still have that culture and Brad Stevens will still be able to, to sort of get everybody from the national perspective to be like, oh, you know, they're still the, the team chasing the Cavs and trying to catch that giant. Uh, but, yeah, you know, Jay Crowder, I think, is way more valuable than people give him credit for. And, you know, you can throw out the numbers all you want, but uh, when he's on the court, they're a better team. And I think uh, someone had a great number yesterday on Twitter, and it was something like when the Celtics, uh, with Jay Crowder on the court, were a 60-win team based on uh, point differential with him, and when he was off, they were something like a 20-win team. Now, that happens with starters, and and there's a lot of noise in there, but uh, Jay was way more valuable than I think the, the casual fan knew. And I go back to it, you know, this thing, while it it sort of ignited with Isaiah's arrival in February 2015, the the sort of the culture started changing in December 2000. This group, this group, I believe, first off, now we can say that that group, uh, Ainge has taken his plunger to another playoff team. We can go back to when he first joined the organization back in 2003 when he blew up that team, which was uh, uh, 13 months removed from the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, he has now taken the plunger to another Eastern Conference Finals team, effectively. This is a brand new team, as, you, as we've all known now. But yes, this group pretty much, I believe, the character started with the Rondo trade at the end of 15. Actually, maybe even a little later. It more so started once Jay Crowder started seeing a sufficient amount of playoff t- playing time because he did not play at the very beginning here. Sure. It, was, it was on that West Coast trip back in January of 15, which not many people remember. It was the first time they actually won a game in the West, out, in, out West in the Western Conference. But... Yeah, it started around January 15 and uh, RIP May 2017. Right, it's, it's an, yeah. this is a brand new team, and, and that group is now in, a, in its own uh, small lore in Celtics history. And, and the other thing you, you walk away here from, from the trade kind of questioning is obviously throwing in the Nets pick. And now maybe we'll look back at the end of the season and say, eh, the Nets were better, and they ended up 6-7, and so maybe that wasn't as big of a deal as we made it out to be now. And maybe Ante Zizek turns into a, a, a serviceable player, though we didn't see that at Summer League, and it looks like he's still very raw. But yeah, you know, it, it was certainly a hefty price tag, but I think the more everyone starts to digest it, and I know you're on the side with me here, is that you look at this roster, and it just feels like they're going to be able to achieve more with this. And that's not a knock on Isaiah or Jay. I think Brad Stevens got every ounce he could out of those guys, and that's what Brad does. But I think Danny was sitting there, and like a lot of us, after that Eastern Conference Finals, you're looking at the Celtics and going, are they one player away? Are they two players away? Like, you know, that gap was pretty pronounced. And then the Cavs went and got smoked in the finals, so you're like, well, uh, Yeah, you I know. was here with Mike Gorman last week, and I actually I said, listen, I, me and him both agreed this, this, that that team, eight days ago, easily could have been an NBA Finals team. Although here's where I disagree with Mike Gorman. I said, uh, Mike, they are absolutely getting swept in the NBA Finals by the Golden State Warriors. Had They had that team uh, 
playing against Golden State in June of 2018. There was a clear ceiling on that team. And listen, they, th- if this team gets to the finals, it might get swept. But you feel more confident that this team is better equipped to handle a star team like the Warriors than maybe you did a week ago. And again, you got to divorce the emotional part of it and just you got to kind of look at it like, you know, was Isaiah Thomas going to have another season like he did? He very well might. Like, there's nothing that suggests in the past two years that he can't keep up what he's done. Uh, but you do start thinking about, you know, all the injuries and, and, and how much punishment he takes and 29 when they get that. I mean, we got to get into it, the Isaiah angle of this trade. For, I mean, the, the rule of thumb generally in NBA deals, I actually have to give credit to Bill Simmons of this, is usually the team who gets the best player in the trade wins. The Celtics did get the best player in the trade. I'm with you. I think Jay Crowder for the organ, for the team is the biggest quote-unquote loss in the deal, largely because Jay Crowder was not replaced. And I'm actually very worried about who is going to be a small ball for. for. Uh, Mike Gorman was here last week. He talked up Marcus Morris a lot. I'm really skittish on Marcus Morris being the starting power forward for this team next year. Or, God forbid, I do not think they will go there, but going with an Aaron Baines, Al Horford, very Ugh. slow. They, they're, not, they're not going to touch that. Okay. So, But regardless... Just I don't think that just like my little small fear with when they lost Kelly Olynyk, I didn't think they really have anyone to replace Kelly Olynyk. Likewise, all the things that Jay Crowder does, you know, bring excellent three-point shooter, the character that he does bring, very good defensive player, and his type of the type of defense. For example, example you have Jay Crowder, more of a long, agile defender. Jay Crowder is that Marcus, you know, a bigger Marcus. He can handle more strength and size. But so that's really my just one thing that I do worry about the trade was the loss of Crowder. I've listen, I can never I on this show for the last 10 months, I guess I can sort of get into the reason I could never really be honest about Isaiah Thomas. But I believe Isaiah was he has, you know, there were many times over the course of the summer, Sam Vecini, Coach Nick, Isaiah Thomas, his value is never going to be higher. I actually think for anything by fans of the team, he was probably overvalued this summer he's going to be a free agent as we know less than 12 months from now he had by far his best season of his career I don't think he'll ever match that again with his his with not only his hip injury but with 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 his frame he's 5'9 yeah. more closer to 5'7 he's dealt with back injuries in years past we've seen smaller guards throughout history have careers where 26 27 is their peak not 29 30 31 32 god forbid but once they lose a step they're all their whole game is predicated upon their speed they've seen the best of isaiah thomas and after the season you would have had to have given an isaiah an exuberant amount of money now you have Kyrie at a, a far yeah, more it feels unique right it feels like what all the, the moves that danny makes we usually sit there and while it's maybe makes sense you, you sometimes wonder like did they get the best player like obviously giving Ron, giving away rondo to the mavericks everyone no one knew jay crowder was going to be that guy but you know with with hindsight we sit here and say well they got the best player in that deal and you know same it, it just feels like this is the chance where they finally went and got the best player and so now i'm interested to see like finally brad stevens has essentially top line talent to work with and he's been able to turn the jordan crawfords and evan turners and you know isaiah thomas Thomas's. there we go so what does he do with Kyrie and gordon hayward and al horford like i just feel like the the, the ceiling that you had on your team has grown and we can certainly sit here and worry about the depth and I'm, I'm with you like you know I think Kelly Olenek is a bigger loss than people think I think Jay Crowder is tougher to replace than people think but if we know anything about the NBA you need that star talent I go back to what I, I keep going back to what uh, D 
Danny said to Steve Bullpett in the Herald, uh, like right after the playoffs, where he said, we have good players, we need great players. Well, they went out and they, they feel like they got two great players. They feel like they had another great player in Al Horford. And this, again, it's not a knock on Isaiah because Isaiah had an absolutely mesmerizing season. It's just, can he sustain that level of that's, play, like you said, moving forward? That's as good as it's going to be, and he's a free agent next year. We cannot emphasize this enough. You have the huge question of, will you pay him $130 million over the course Ooh. of five years, or you lose him for nothing? And that's daunting. And so they went out there, and again, just like you said, it's hard to trade free agents to be and get something in return. And they got maybe a top-ten guy in the NBA, a guy who they hope can get up into the top five with his own being the alpha here in Boston. So I've, I've listen, I've, every time Kyrie Irving came up over the last, uh, what's been three weeks now since the whole trade demand and letting that be known in the media, I poo-pooed here, here because I personally believe once the Celtics made that Markel Fultz trade, trading away their number one overall pick, I just sort of resigned myself to, well, it looks like they really are as committed to Isaiah Thomas as they are. Danny Ainge, it seemed that, and you know what, I'm dead wrong. I was completely dead wrong where I thought there was a little bit more loyalty there, which I would not have agreed with, and, and sure enough, it, it, it didn't really matter anyways, but I believe there was a little bit something there with how they used Isaiah to recruit other players, i.e. Al Horford, which, you know, that's not officially known, but I thought that there were different rules to Isaiah Thomas as there were to other players on the team, and it turned out that was not the case. Yeah, listen, I, again, I go back to it. That had to be a tough phone call for Danny. Like, he guy played through the death call, of his sister. Right? Yeah, I know. Oh, I mean, I, it just, it, it, I, I can't even imagine. Like, to, 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 because Danny truly enjoyed, as much as any fan, as much as anybody watching what Isaiah did, you know, it was special to, to, to see what he did in the in last season, to see what he did in the postseason and what he fought through. Um, but you, you have to, in his job, you have to divorce yourself emotionally, and you have to look at it with clear eyes. And that's why, you know, I, I just don't think there's – I don't know what the number is, but if you did 30 general managers in the NBA, I would say more than half of them would have been content to run it back with the roster and especially knowing they had the number one pick and they would have just been content to sit on it this this season. And Danny just won't do that, and uh, I think Celtics fans should respect that. Now, listen, it could blow up in his face. Like, there's the, there's always the chance this thing goes the opposite way. Uh, I think as much as we like to trade, we know, like, yeah. hey, things don't always work out, but – I just feel like, again, you, if you're a Celtics fan, you have to be a little bit more confident in the potential of your team uh, and, and, and where they can get to. But, yeah, I, and the other thing I do feel a little, you know, not – I guess you can never know when these things are going to happen. But, you know, they did make Isaiah fly back to pitch to Gordon Hayward. And, uh, you know, you do wonder about those things. But, again, you can't predict the future and that this deal was going to come up. So I, I, I can understand that, you know, it, I do feel bad for Isaiah in that sense in terms of, like, he feels like he's part of something They're They're finally – you know, he could have gone in and demanded an extension this summer. Instead, he's out there helping them go get Gordon Hayward and pay him a, a ridiculous amount of money. Uh, you know, the, but hey, again, that that's sort of the business, and and that's the unfortunate side of it. Yeah, no, the cliche of it's a business, it just applies totally to here. I guess I can really just finish on really just emphasizing once again. I think if anything, where you say the Celtics quote unquote gave up too much, the too much is just having Crowder in the deal, which of course needed to be in for salary reasons. And the Nets pick, you know, we'll, we'll see where it ends up, as we know. But I personally think Isaiah Thomas's trade value 
just really is not what many individuals believe it, it was to be, especially just because we're coming off the season in which he did. Anyways, moving along, I have to give you a lot of credit on this, Chris. Very good call on your end delaying your summer forecast because I believe I just <laughs> threw away the last six weeks doing this show <laughs> looking ahead how that team was going to do next year. Now that void, null, and August 27th, and it is just start fresh anew. It is crazy, right? And, I, and and listen, I won't say I had any inkling that, that something was up. I was in your camp. I, every time someone brought up the Kyrie thing, I sort of sit there and said, you know, Danny's crazy and he could do something like that, but I just don't know. I, I guess I, I more so from the, the Cleveland perspective, I just said, you know, there's no way they trade to a, to a, to a rival. There's no way this new GM comes in and, and does this. I think it's more likely they'll put this thing back together and just, you know, maybe it implodes during the season, but they'll at least give it a chance. You know, credit to to Kobe Altman for for half for likewise having the the the, the guts to, to make a big move like this. Uh, but yeah, uh, I mean, it's funny now to be sitting here in the last week of August and 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 now start thinking about, you know, geez, I'm glad we didn't make all of our our predictions because uh, it's a <laughs> the roster was already looking pretty new and now it looks even more new. And it's fascinating to think, uh, you know, how quickly they're going to have to put this thing together. And uh, you know, maybe that changes the 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 tenor of the forecast. It's like you know. Normally, I'm sitting here saying how many wins and, and, and where, where can this team get to. It might be like as simple as, well, who's the starting five? Uh, who's, the, who's your eight-man rotation? Everything. Everything's yeah, up it, for grabs. Fantasy football fans, the wait is nearly over. Football is back, which means FanDuel is back. Fantasy football for everyday fans. New contests starting every week. No busted seasons. Sign up today. Go to FanDuel.com. Click the Join Now button and use my code CELTICSPEED. That is CELTICSPEED, all one word. I'll give you a little hint as to whom I like. NFL kickoff 2017. The Patriots hang the banner. And while, yes, Kansas City sports one of the stoutest defenses in the NFL, all the better. Get Tom Brady at the cheapest price you can get him for all year, as I believe the emotion from that night will provide the boost for a huge game from the Patriots offense and Mr. Brady. So try FanDuel for free with a no deposit required. Visit FanDuel.com to claim your free contest and play for a share of $10,000. Just sign up using promo code CelticsBeat. That's FanDuel.com. Promo code CelticsBeat. Boy, we're prohibited. So in the spirit of your patented summer forecast, Chris, last week when we were here with Mr. Gorman, we were both very bullish on that team here seven days ago, that even with fears of having to break in a few new players, we both agreed that they were still a lock for the Eastern Conference Finals. They were just so far separated from the rest of the conference sans Cleveland. Now, me and you, we both agree, after this trade, great trade, uh, they have more front-end talent, they have more potential to do greater things in the immediate and in the immediate future as well. But as we pointed out a million times in this broadcast thus far, it's a brand new team, so therefore many early season struggles, possibly even mid-season struggles, can be safely anticipated, which, you know, that means a loss of home court potentially, you know, etc., etc. So I'll ask for this very year, are they no longer the lock they were for returning back to the conference finals 10 months from now? I, I don't I don't know if I get that worked up, but you know I'm not. This is a horrible comparison, but you look at people always say like, oh, it's going to take time. The 2011 Heat. You're going to bring up the old, the 2011 Heat. I think you could do 2011 Heat. You could do the 2007-08 Celtics. You could do the 2006. What was it? 2005, 2006. Something. Like there are instances where they put this thing together pretty quickly and and figured it figured it out. Like and it, that's not fair. This isn't Kevin Garnett, Ray Allen, and Paul Pierce. But you know. Ultimately, talent just wins out. And if you put good players on the floor, 
and guys who sort of are already able to make each other better. Like, I feel like Gordon Hayward's skill set, Kyrie's skill set, and Al Horford's skill set should just win you games in this Eastern Conference, regardless of how much time they've played together. So I do think there'll be growing pains, and I do think they'll lose more games in, in October and no, November as Brad tinkers and tries to figure things out. And that'll, you know, that's just one of the, the pain points of, of overhauling your roster. But um, I don't necessarily think that by April or May that should be quite the issue that we're, we're, we think it is now. Um, I'm more concerned going into the season now with, with just the overall depth. Um, the bench is a lot thinner. There's a lot of uncertainty in the in the guys you'll be leaning on uh, in key spots. And again, I, I go back to it. You know, as much as people sat there frustrated and wanted to throw their remotes at their TV when Kelly Olynyk pump faked, you know, at least he gave you a little something off the bench and, and and made the team better just by being on the floor and spreading things out. You know, I start looking at this bench and I say, where's the contributions coming from? Sure, you got Marcus Smart and and Terry Rozier uh, potentially helming that bench, but. Now, after that, it gets a little dicey, and, and, and guys like Baines are going to have to come in and be contributors, and Jason Tatum, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm more wondering how those guys are going to find their roles and settle into their roles. Again, I go, not to, to make the 2007-08 comparison, but you know, the, the great thing about that was... That was the big said, question going into the year. Remember, it was, oh my God, who's going to come off the bench? This bench exactly, thing, ends up being it, the best bench in the NBA that year, but... You're right. They're actually in the complete same boat. The, the depth that the Celtics did lose, they lost a ton of depth this year over the course of the summer in the trade. But I got to interrupt you, which I just did. Already done. We're going to go back to the bench about biggest concern, though, because I want to get this point. And I believe, as you've said, the, the skill sets really of Horford, Hayward, and Kyrie Irving complement each other very, very well, even more so than I guess even the, the best uh, times we've put where we've seen recently these very good teams coming together. But we've still seen many historical examples, even recently, uh, you know, like the Knicks uh, when they with the Mari and, and Carmelo. That we, we thought they were great at the time. That really never worked out. The Rockets uh, about ten years ago, you did some things that that never really worked out. So I mean, I think there is just a little more of a concern with just the chemistry of in terms of. There's plenty of historical examples of it not working out. You, it's definitely not as simple of great players coming together off and away you go. Yeah, well, I'm with you. Like, the again, defense like is trade. going to suck. Out of the gate, man. Uh, let's see. All right, so who's going to start? Let's let's run this down. Okay. Well, so uh, Kyrie, Irving, Jalen Brown, uh, yeah, I think Hay- Jalen Brown, go, Hayward, go, Morris, and uh, Horford. So, and I'm okay. I, you know, I I guess I you know three weeks ago I would I would have been leery of, of Morris in that starting role. I probably would have gone very... small. And I get that's the luxury of Jay Crowder, where you could have just thrown Jalen, uh, Jay, and Gordon, and it's your two to four, and who knows who's who. Uh, but you would have figured it out. A uh, little bit of extra pressure on Marcus Morris to come in and be an impact guy and, and fill some roles there. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm comfortable with that lineup. I think it, 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 it's good. I want to see Jalen sort of get thrown into that and, and see if he can build off the end of last season. Uh, I'm still fascinated. The, the thing that, that I marvel about about Jalen, and, and I, I think we've talked about this, is, is the guy gets booed on draft night, and it's not so much him. It was the idea that they didn't make a move. But it, I'm endlessly fascinated by the fact that, you know, now he's like, just completely He's beloved by this fan base. He's the savior. <laughs> you know, we, we, we were on. We're gonna. We're using the local Boston sports. Uh, you know, comparisons of trades. He's like that Red Sox. Uh, guy coming up from the farm who's going to come up and just win 20 games next year, or like the guy that's going to save 40 games out of the all. They'll get him in like Craig Hansen. Remember, like, oh, he's going to save 40 games. To them. <laughs> he's got that on him right now. I no, listen. I have high expectations for Jalen Brown next year, but out of necessity now. 
we've seen that we've as fans, as those in the media, which is both of us, we are both, we have inflated the expectations and even the the abilities that we believe Jalen will have next year and for the years to come, largely because based out of necessity of what he kind of really is going to have to do if the team is going to be as good as we hope them to be, as the diehards yeah, and, that we are. And we throw we throw it with with both him and 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 Jason Tatum, right? Like I I think three weeks ago Tatum I'm sitting there saying I'm a little Tatum. I'm, I mean, if they get something from Tatum this year, I'm I'm, I'm very happy. But, well, you know. but that's the thing. But but I think don't but don't they need something from him now? I mean, I, I maybe not, and maybe maybe Marcus Morris, Morris but, is, yeah, you know, know if, if they don't need that that depth, maybe they can ease him in a little bit more. Uh, but but you know, considering that uh, his skill set, and I know they got better offensively, but I do think there's a chance here where, especially if they get an injury, you know, knock on wood. Uh, they they they're gonna have to throw him in there and 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 see what he's got and maybe that's a good thing. I I do think there's some I've, I've thought about you know did Danny clear out the roster not, not intentionally but you know they're not gonna be upset that that Brad has to lean on these younger guys a little bit more because we know how Brad operates. He likes to to lean on his veterans and the guys that he knows can contribute and. You know, this is going to make him uh, sort of lean heavier on, on Jalen and Jason, and uh, that could be a good thing for the team uh, ultimately in the long run. Yeah, he, but he's always – even when Jalen at the beginning of last season was not playing well, in fact, he was playing atrocious in some games, he still, I felt like, force-fed him a few minutes a game. Like, even if he gave him like four minutes in the second quarter, he still pretty much forced him out there. But let's get to, to really the bigger things. Let's get to, I guess, something like – how they're going to run their offense. Right out of the gate, everyone, you know, even like we were talking about Isaiah Thomas and Gordon Hayward. Was, oh, what's going to happen at the end of games, blah, 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 the isolation, etc. I think no question about it, Kyrie Irving is going to be that quote-unquote go-to guy at the end of games, even though Brad Stevens is someone who runs a little more set plays than, say, Doc Rivers did uh, when it was close games. Just give ball, Paul Pierce, everybody clear out by. It was hideous to watch. But Kyrie Irving is going to be, quote-unquote, that, that one option, largely because Gordon Hayward, I think, is... is more except to, to to accepting it, uh, but how about just the other ninety percent of the basketball game? Do you have any just <laughs> predictions of how Brad? What is Brad Stevens? What is Brad Stevens going to do, Mister Forsberg? I th- I think he's just going to enjoy the luxuries of having multiple players who can create on on their own, and I think it won't look a lot different. I think you'll see a lot of pick and roll. You'll see a lot of Kyrie racing off handoffs from Al Horford and you know, spreading the floor and, and kind of letting these guys create. I think the luxury you have is that last season you had Isaiah, and if Isaiah comes off a of pick and roll and, and gets trapped and, you know, the ball starts moving, and if you don't have an open guy, it gets a little difficult because there's no one on the Celtics roster at that point who can take it and go at the basket. Well, if you get Kyrie and, and, and Gordon Hayward on the floor together, all of a sudden that really makes it tough on, on defenses to kind of focus in on one guy, and you got two guys that can handle and go at the basket. And obviously the biggest luxury there is that when, when, when you take a Kyrie off the floor, if you can keep Gordon out there, you know, there's no drop-off in terms of you know, your primary playmaker uh, being able to score. Not the, the, that horrific drop-off we saw last year. As soon as Isaiah went to the bench and everyone's sitting there going, oh, God, oh, God, how are the Celtics going to score? Uh, but um, I, 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 you know, Brad's system, I don't think there's going to be a lot, a, a lot of tweaking to it. They're still going to spread the floor. They're still going to shoot a million three-pointers. Uh, you, you got maybe create a little bit more two-point offense now based on guys going at the basket. But, uh, you know, I still see Al spreading, spraying the ball around and finding guys open. And because the, the other guys, the non-big three of your roster, are going to be open because the defenses are going to have to commit so much to, to the other end. And I do agree with you on, on, on the fourth quarter situation. I think what people forget, you know, I, I, I heard someone say, well, oh, Isaiah was so good in the fourth quarter last year. How are they going to replace that? If you look at Kyrie's numbers, Kyrie is like the number one uh, game-winning shot in the NBA Finals. 
I, I mean, not only just like in that in, in that instance, but like cons- consistently over the past like two or three seasons, I think he leads the, the league in, in crunch time field goal percentage, three point percentage. It's uh, it's some like crazy numbers he puts up in the clutch. Uh, and again, as the alpha, as the sort of the focal point when he doesn't have to defer to LeBron. And listen, there's there's pluses and minuses with that. Having LeBron on the floor certainly eases the the uh, the, the the looks you get and makes the, the taking that shot a little bit easier. But uh, I do think that the Celtics will do everything they can to, to put the ball in Kyrie's hand, considering the history of, of how well he's done in those situations. You know, he referenced the 2011 Miami Heat. If you remember that season, I don't know if you do it all, at the very beginning, LeBron and Wade were like, they just didn't really know really how to play. There was, it was almost like a hot potato with the basketball. They didn't know who should be the go-to guy at the end of games, and we got to look back at the time. It's, oh, it's of course LeBron. At that time, that really wasn't the case. I don't think the Celtics will have that issue. But if you remember back in 2011 when, the, when Miami was kind of struggling on offense for, for them, they just said, screw it. They just, like, forced it. They just ran every single possession. Fast break, fast break, fast break. So this, I think, should make Tommy Heinsohn. They could easily force fast breaks with this team. And I think even back to Golden State last year, like integrating Durant. I know that's, again, a unique situation where you have all these stars and all that. But, you know, there's always going to be a feeling out process. And, and again, you just trust that when there's talent, they'll figure it out. And just like you said, there's instances where it didn't. Uh, but I, I do think that the, the, the mix that they have, the way these guys complement each other, it's just hard for me to envision that it doesn't work out. I'll throw it back at you, though. So I think offensively we know this team is going to be very good. And they've upgraded – uh, with Hayward yeah, I'm not and, worried about the Kyrie. offense. I think when Brad Stevens has players that can space the floor, they'll take care, especially with Kyrie in terms of getting to the basket and everything. Just does really what Isaiah Thomas did last year. So regardless... But what about the defense? The, that's, the, I, that's where I'm going. I, I said it about five minutes ago. I screamed at the top of my lugs. I think it's going to suck. <laughs> I, it's but not going to be good. And you know what else is not going to be good? We also weep about it every single summer on this show. What do you think we're going at? Rebounding. Oh, maybe. Yeah. Like, but I've, I've, I've come to, to grips with that. I mean, well, since the Doc Rivers administration, it has not <laughs> been a priority. Um, but the defense does work. I, I, I'll say this. I, I, in my mind, I, I've, 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 I've reasoned it like this. Last year, we thought for sure the Celtics were going to be a top three defense, and, they, and they clearly weren't. Um, I'm convinced this year they're going to find a way and they're going to be like a top five defense. And it's going to make no sense. And people are going to sit there and we're going to be writing about like, oh, I don't see how Brad Stevens is Dave Curry, an, an elite defender. Or, you know, I don't know how it'll, it'll manifest itself. But I, I, somehow, some way, maybe it'll be the versatility. Maybe it'll just be able to switch. Uh, I, I can just see this team finding a way to be a good defensive team. And it'll make no sense because you lose Avery Bradley. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know how it's going to happen, but I, I'm just convinced that's how it's going to play out. I just don't see it at all, largely because these guys have not really played with each other. And that's really where you see the chemistry come in. You get the quarterback of the defense. Just guys have a sixth sense of where they know that's something that you just need to develop familiarity with. I, I'd be pleasantly surprised, Chris, but logistically, I just don't see that. Episode number 224 of Celtics Beat with ESPN's Chris Forsberg is being presented by today's sponsor, Audible. With an unmatched selection of audiobooks, original audio shows, news, comedy, and more, get a free audiobook with a 30-day trial at www.audible.com slash Celtics Beat. Thanks to Audible for offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Again, go to audible.com slash Celtics Beat and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs. Download a title free and start listening. Again, audible.com slash Celtics Beat. That's audible.com slash Celtics Beat and get started today. Is there a Russell Westbrook theory that can be applied to Kyrie in Boston here in, in which he may view that he has to vindicate his actions from forcing himself off a team that's a year removed from winning a title? If you're a Celtics fan, you're hoping so, right? Like I, I think are, that's right? part of the motivation. Uh, I, I do think that, that part of the reason Danny Ainge is, is willing to make this deal is because he sits there and says, you know, here's a guy who's won a championship, won an Olympic gold medal, done a lot of great things, but 
he's going to be like relentlessly motivated to prove why he wanted out of Cleveland and he's going to want to do it. You know, he, the if there's alpha, anyone though. he's going to want to, to, to show it's going to be LeBron. Like that's a good thing. I mean, the, the, we know what Isaiah Thomas was capable of when, when he was motivated. Well, here's Kyrie with, with potentially, uh, you know, again, more, more tools in the bag. And, you know, all of a sudden, can he take his game to another level? You know, I guess the one thing I'm leery about is the Cavs. If I remember right, they weren't great. Without, with when LeBron was out, and you know that's a different no, situation. They were terrible, it's not, it's, but it's not like was, yeah. you can. He was a I, very I young player, and there was nothing around him. But yes, but it's still hard to gauge. And even like last season, say when, when the games LeBron didn't play, I don't remember Kyrie being like you know stepping up and being putting up huge numbers. But that's I think that's an outlier because it, it's hard to do it on a night to night basis. Where you know how do you get yourself pumped up when you find out you know whatever day before that LeBron's taking a night off? It's not like. Every game this season, he's going to know he's the guy in Boston. And yes, he'll have very good supporting cast around him and guys that will be the, you know, you can say that Gordon Hayward's the 1A and 1B, whatever. But, uh, you know, it, this is Kyrie's team. And, this, and Kyrie is going to be the one who's looked to to get them to that next step. And so there's a pressure inherent with that, but there's also a chance. And, you know, we hear that all the time, right? When guys go down, it's like, oh, well, there's a, here's an opportunity for someone to step up. Well, this the the this is what Kyrie wanted. This, he wanted his team, his sort of his own team, to be the face of a franchise, and see if he could take his game to another level. I do think it's possible. Um, I, I guess it comes down to how much does he, you know, how much does he buy into like what Brad Stevens' offense? It's, I think it's a little bit harder to be a James Harden type in Brad Stevens' offense than maybe to to be running the show down there in Houston. Although we'll find out this year because you know James Harden's going to have to share the ball down there. So. Uh, I guess I, 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 my, 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 my gut says there's a chance he goes out there, but I don't know necessarily if, it's, if he's going to just like inject himself immediately. It might take a little bit of time, but I do think by the end of, end of the season, we'll be sitting here and saying, you know, Kyrie has proven himself as a top X player, whether that's top 10, top 8, top 5, whatever it is. Yeah, we'll, we'll find out very soon. A little teaser for the audience when we get Mr. McManaman here, and we actually have a show almost entirely – dedicated to what Mr. Irving can do individually. He's certainly seen enough of him. All right, we were talking sort of about when we first jumped on the air, Chris, and we're here with ESPN's Chris Forsberg about, you know, just this whole historical perspective. And I got to let's get back to the more almost just just aesthetic or the abstract, everything like give me sort of your where were you? Cuz I think this is one thing where you where we remember sort of where we were at the time of like no more trades and just you know being a sports fan or watching this game, watching that game. You're on the beat, man. So you should I, I think we're all very interested in, in hearing the Chris Forsberg back this past Tuesday. You know, what's funny is it starts Monday when a couple, you know, text messages and DMs arrive and people saying, you know, hey, Danny's been Danny's been talking to Cleveland a lot. And I sit there and I say, eh, you know, just like you, I, I just couldn't, I just didn't know like how much truth there was to it. And maybe that's dropping the ball as a reporter, but, um, you know, it, it just felt like, you know, I just, it was hard for me to envision how it was happening. And we know how the Celtics operate. They're very quiet about these things. They don't like sit there and, you know, put up flags like, Hey, we're chasing Kyrie Irving and, you know, cause they don't want to disrupt their own, uh, players. And, and, you know, these things fall apart and you, you gotta, there's a lot of damage control you got to do if these things fall through. So Remember Rondo, uh, Chris Paul. Having yeah, that, that, exactly. That, having you know, come and, back, and that was—I mean, it was a mess. But go ahead. So I—I I didn't put a, a, a whole lot of stock into it, and then uh, that day, my uh, oldest daughter had a uh, tonsillectomy, and so we're sitting there in the recovery room, and uh, the next day, Tuesday, where she uh, she felt like some ice cream because that's all the poor kid can eat—that uh, and popsicles for the, the the next seven days, 
and uh, we went to a uh, we were just and I said hey you know what it's quiet uh, let's just run and, and get some ice cream and we're sitting there at, at the uh, at the ice cream parlor and started getting some text messages and we'll just tweet and I said we should probably get home it's, it's going to be a busy night and the, the what next time 36 this, like, hours five o'clock were, five o'clock at night was I think down? it was I, and, and, and then the next the complete the next 36 hours are are a complete blur and I will say as a reporter you love that because it, listen there's a buzz about this team and. Uh, it, it's good to see people interested in the Celtics for all their successes. You know, I, I think we, if we're being honest, it's still you know a Patriots, Red Sox, Celtics town, and it, it feels like you needed something to get them back a little bit closer to what we remember in that Big Three era. And it's just been cool to see this week how people have responded to the Celtics going out and getting an elite player, and, and maybe it'll kick in hotter once they actually see him on the court and, and realize how good this team can be. Uh, and how good he is individually, uh, but it's just cool. It, it's it's neat to me to, to to cover a team where the interest is 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 it was already climbing because of what they've done the, in recent seasons, uh, but now to see it spike even more, uh, you know, I, I I I'll apologize to my family for the, the 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 more time commitments that will come from covering a, a more interesting team, but it will be a fun season. It was crazy though, just how fast that happened though. Like I said, it was Tuesday night, and then I I actually had my phone off. I was shutting it down early that night. Get up next morning, 3 o'clock. I said to myself, I'm not going to turn my phone on. I want to do a little bit of reading. Bang. See everything. And the thing was, the whole thing was done. Trades official. Conference calls in the bag. He's going to wear number 11. I mean, maybe the Garnett trade. Like It was it was over the course of about 36 hours. Hey, Garnett's on a cruise. If you remember that, remember Garnett's on a cruise. He got yeah. a massive physical. Well, that was, I mean, that, that thing was, was like, done. Part. I woke up. Done. He's a Celtic. Okay. Boom. Moving on. Okay. <laughs> I gotta finish. I, uh, yeah, go ahead. So go ahead, Chris. So, so I mean, where were you? Were we like, were you vacationing? Like, were you working? Like, what, working like, and you, working. You and just then completely just oblivious to three it. in the morning, you know, reading a little Greek poetry, Greek philosophy, <laughs> and I said, you know what? I think I wanted to get into my, you know, a, a good mood for the day. I didn't want to, you know, plow three emails at three o'clock in the morning already. And I, I, I had a little temptation. I did, and then official. Not I, even, not I, even a, you know, oh, he's got to pass his physical. I mean, just official. Done. He's a Celtic. He's gonna wear this number. It was, <laughs> wow. Okay. Is that refreshing? It, right. Oh, remember it, like having a Rod, having to hit refresh on ESPN.com for eternity. <laughs> You're right. I agree. It was refreshing. It was a lot easier for me. You know, it was I just, shocking, I, but it was it was a it, lot it, less stressful. It, it's almost impossible. Like I mean, I, that's why I kind of romanticize how the Celtics on July 3rd, 2013, just you know, send out a five o'clock email saying, "Hey, oh, I uh, we're hiring Brad Stevens." Stevens. Yeah. I think I, like I, those things don't happen in sports anymore. And the, so uh, you know, listen, you had a little bit of a, of a unique. Uh, Last yeah. year, bang, press conference. We extended him six <laughs> years. I was like, okay. <laughs> it, it is fascinating to me. Uh, I can only imagine, and, and because and I've just completely lost the ability to, to, to think about how it used to be, but you know, there, there were times where you pick up the morning paper and, and read, oh, sell this trade for Kyrie Irving. I had no idea otherwise because there was no internet or no you know, Twitter to, to alert me every 30 seconds about what's going on in the world. Uh, that had to be pretty cool. Just wake up and be like, all right, let, I, I, they've made a trade. Let me digest everything that's already been written. Uh, that's, that's unique. I, I like that. Thanks for tuning into this week's bonus. Yes, bonus show. Heard a many of feedback on the at CLNS underscore LHR Twitter, where you may converse with yours truly. Call it that would they call for the demand. Uh, well, we can we can embellish it a little bit. But for the release of this show, the lost episode, which is now no longer lost, it is on the interwebs for eternity. Uh, now, important announcement. This does not mean this shall serve as this coming week's show. We will be back on Sunday, per usual, per always, episode number 226, 
with Abdel Nader. We'll sit down with him sometime this weekend and talk to someone who is now all but a shoo-in for the roster with the openings that this Kyrie Irving trade, this official Kyrie Irving trade, has produced for the team. So, of course, subscribe to Celtics Beat on iTunes, Stitcher, and the CLNS Media Network mobile app to not miss our conversation with Abdel for episode number 226 as he will serve as this Sunday's featured guest. Now to put the script and wrap this thing up, music, as always, was provided by Chuck Dietz and Steph Legrato. For graphic designer Scott Dillon, the founder of the network, Nick Gelso, this is Larry A. Trussell, the executive producer and host of Celtics Beat, powered by CLNS Media. See you Sunday.